Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of our food podcast that talks about the amazing city that Kansas City is to eat, be a chef, go out and eat, be a farmer, all of those wonderful pieces that make this a place to be. And uh, we're really excited that you're joining us. Jill Silva and I have been dreaming up this food podcast baby for a while now. And uh, Jill, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, you might recognize my name if you've been a newspaper reader. I was the food editor and restaurant critic for the Kansas City Star for about 25 years and recently uh, headed out on my own and I'm... uh, I have a consulting business that includes writing and event planning and many other things called Jill Silva Food. Very, very original name, I know, but hey. Hey, you know exactly what it is, right? You do know what it is. There's no confusion (laughs) there. You know, I didn't try to get cute. I didn't put it into, what's that little word, uh, pun splicer (laughs) that you're... Co-anchor was talking about. We used that today. We did. We did use that today. (laughs) (laughs) And and why did we use that, Lindsay? We were trying to name the podcast. So I think we came up with something that we like. Uh, We put chew into the pun slicer, and it came up with drum roll, chew diligence. We are so corny, but I like it. I do too. And we were talking about how not only were we talking about food, but you know going deeper into what that means for the city as well. Well, there's a lot of news happening, and both of you and I want to dive in. And, uh, you know, we enjoy eating, but we also care about what the cultural influences are and the economic influences. And so we want to explore some of that that I think um, doesn't get covered when you're running around just trying to find the latest restaurant opening. The food news of the day, if you will. Yes. Yes. Um, A little bit about me. I've worked in Kansas City at 41 since 2009. Casey, born and raised, a journalist of all topics, but always hungry, and love the local food scene, local restaurants, and the work it puts in to keep them going. And when we were talking about what the first episode should be, uh, we were talking about food halls. It's a very hot topic. Yes. And then just... This morning, at time of recording, we got some more details about a new food hall coming in, uh, adding to the mix. So we could go from, what is it, Jill, from one to four food holes in just a few short years. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And I think the news this morning kind of blew me away because, well, I used to live in the building that they are turning into a food hall. So I imagine my cubicle as like, (laughs) I don't know, a pretzel stand, a hot dog stand, a... Foie gras and grits sort of play. I, you know, I don't know, but like, it seems so much more fun maybe than the cafeteria <laughs> right. that used to be there. The beauty of the food hall it could be about ten different kinds of foods, right? Really briefly on that, it's uh, expected to be forty-five thousand square feet. It's going to be in the old KC Star Building downtown on Eighteenth Street, and uh, just that part will be a food hall, grocery, office space. This is uh, another one of those situations where they're hoping to include entertainment, sports venue, maybe uh, all kinds of things. Um, And this is just the latest news to come out. I feel like I laid the groundwork for this because started food trucks in the parking lot uh, eight years ago. And this is kind of the expansion of that, isn't it? Just let's put them inside. (laughs) (laughs) Let's cover up from the rain. Let's, you know, bring a bar in. Let's have some good times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we do have one operating in town, Lenexa Public Market. 
Yes. Uh, Jill and I were talking about what food halls have we been to. Oh, first, I'm going to back up and introduce the other folks in the room real quickly because we're getting, we're getting so far into this. I want to make sure everybody else has a chance. We have uh, Sam and Haley, our producers extraordinaire, here as well. I think it's weird that we're recording this right before lunch. I'm gonna, <laughs> I know exactly what I'm doing after the pod. <laughs> Haley, are you going to approach the mic? Hello. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Thank you, Haley. And also, our in-studio guest for our very first episode is Katie McLean, Chef Katie McLean from Crookstrom. And you have some really exciting stuff. There's a reason you're here for Food Hall Frenzy Day. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Getting ready to expand into one of the food halls opening up next. So excited. Yeah. And that is Parlor. Yes. 17th and Locust. 17th and Locust. So talk about uh, your food, your cuisine. Krokstrom is Scandinavian comfort food. Wildhost is going into the parlor, and that's going to be Scandinavian street food, really focusing and specializing on all of the awesome corve sausages and street food of Scandinavia. We're talking loaded. Lots of dogs. Lots of dogs. <laughs> Very exciting. And, uh, we also have on the phone with us, we have uh, Davis Engel and Dominic Hofer. Did I say your names right, gentlemen? You got it. That's correct. And tell us a little bit about how you're involved with Parlor. So uh, this is this is Davis Single speaking. Um, so I am a, a partner in the project, um, and I am with a company called Merriweather Companies. We are a LA and Denver-based uh, real estate development company, um, and we are now starting a new platform uh, called Parlor, which is um, you know our our take on a food hall. So. Uh, not only do we go into a market and evaluate the market, understand the real estate, um, we also, you know, spend significant amount of time in market understanding, you know, local needs, local wants, um, and really focusing on, you know, what the market we enter needs and putting emphasis on, you know, giving giving a venue for local chefs to be successful. So I'm I'm on more of the development and curation side, and then Dominic, I'll let him speak for himself. Yes. Hi, this is Dom. Um, we uh, we are super excited to to be able to work with with many of the local uh, talents in Kansas City, um, Katie included. Um, we you know understand uh, that Kansas City is is going through a, a major growth spurt right now in in the restaurant and food hall industry. Uh, and, you know, understanding Kansas City as, as the city that it is, the amazing city that we know, um, being uh, a native of Kansas City, I, I was able to venture to New York for the past decade or so and, and uh, largely be Kansas City's number one advocate on the East Coast. Oh, wow. Uh, and knowing, knowing that um, many of my fellow Kansas Cityans feel the same way, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity for, for me to come back and kind of not miss a beat and, 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 and work with really great and amazing people and do something that's, that's unique to Kansas City. And Dominic, you have experience in the food hall world too, right? I do, I do. Um, so I, I worked with a company called Eataly for, uh, for several years uh, in New York. Uh, as the general manager of restaurants, uh, I moved on from that to work with a with a, a smaller restaurant group that was had brick and mortar restaurants full service that was looking to scale back into food hall concepts uh, and help them achieve that. So, as, as from a vendor perspective, I have that vantage point um, as far as the the operator and working with the tenants. I think I, I, I learned um, many things that 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 tenants and vendors enjoy about working with the operator, and we're going to try to achieve all of those. 
So I wonder, um, for those who maybe don't know Italy, um, I have been there, and, and I love it, and I always describe it as sort of a culinary um, Italian-focused Disneyland for adults <laughs> to eat their way through. Right. But describe that, and then sort of describe maybe what parlor might look like um, in comparison and contrast. The way that you described it is perfect. Um, we operated seven different restaurants uh, under one roof, same company, all Italian-focused, different regions of Italy, different concepts. Um, all Italy, we had full freestanding, uh, full-service restaurants uh, with, with quick-service restaurants. We had retail, grocery. Um, I was actually involved in the opening of the uh, World Trade Center location, which was the second uh, New York location for Italy. Um, Parlor Parlor is uh, maybe under uh, under a very large umbrella similar to to Italy, but because all of our kitchens are individually operated, there's a little bit more creative freedom. The programming is is, is dictated by the people who are actually making the food, which is which is a beautiful thing. And and as far as as far as I know, and as far as you know, I can tell by by looking at the different food halls across the U.S. Uh, you know, you don't you don't always get that. It's largely dictated by the operators, and that was that was kind of a, a bedrock principle of Parlor that uh, it, it very much be an expression of the people that are that we're working with, not work not working for us. So in in, in that way, Parlor is is extremely unique, and um, you know, it, it, it that that sort of concept lends itself to Kansas City very well because there's so many creative people and just you know a, a lot of people just searching for the right outlet to to ex- express themselves and there's no better way to do it than than making food and i see katie shaking her head here she's agreeing mm-hmm. obviously she's done some research i think before she before she jumped in looking for the perfect fit um katie can you t- what what drew you to what kind of research did you do and what drew you to this particular food hall because there are four now in Kansas City, and well, maybe are we at four or five? At I least can't in, keep count here. Let's Lenexa Public Market, uh, the new venture that would go at Mission Gateway. Yes, Parlor, of course, and then the newly announced. Yeah. Okay. So we're at four. Yeah. That's a lot to choose from, and I'm sure you did some because inv- I know how much you research. So <laughs> oh, I'm an obsessive organizer, <laughs> and I know that. Uh, I think it's really important to have the core values of that food hall be up front and. With Parlor, it was very chef-driven, and that was the main focus. Is they wanted it to be something where we could really have something groundbreaking, new, and cutting edge, and try it out and see if the city is ready for what we have to offer. And yeah, I do Scandinavian. It's weird. Is the ready, you know, city ready for one? What about two Scandinavian concepts? So this is a great opportunity for me to to jump out and say, hey, you know, here's another element of my culture that I want to show you, but. Being a chef is extremely alienating, and it's, you know, it's lonely. It's hard to make friends. It's hard to get out. It's hard to have a social life, and the big part of Parlor is they really want to have that sense of community, you know, once a month having, you know, these little get-togethers where we can all seven vendors get together and, and have a family meal and talk and learn from one another, and my staff was so excited about that, you know, being in a restaurant, you have your family there, and that's all you have, and at Parlor, you have seven other families to help expand your social life and be able to get yourself out there, which I'm really excited to have that and to offer that to my staff. 
And also, just talking about the list of uh, chefs going in, this is a really wide variety of food. Uh, who, who wants to jump in and tell us? Katie, you know a couple of the others, or should we go to Davis about the people coming in or Dom? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was kind of the, uh, uh, the, the the thesis behind the whole thing was, was you know, we want to, you know, it would be super easy to, to go in and just do familiar food, things that people, uh, you know, are, are, are not afraid to dive into. It's safe. It's easy. But the way that it worked out, you know, people come to us. It, it, it wasn't us searching for, for people who had good ideas so that we could tell them what we were looking for. It was really, you know, it, it happened very organically, first of all. You know, a lot of the concepts came directly to us and said, hey, this is amazing. I really want to be a part of this. And, uh, you know, the, the, the concepts that came from it, everything from Korean street food to, uh, you know, Detroit-style pizza and, and Corv, you know, those, those are not super familiar to people, and we want to kind of expose, uh, you know, Kansas City to, um, to everyone's, everyone's culture and everybody's backgrounds and something that they can't get really anywhere else. And, 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 and to add that, I mean, typically, you know, when, when, when food halls come into markets, it's, it's, it's real estate developers looking at a way to flip the retail model on its side. And for us, you know, we didn't use brokers to go, you know, source, source tenants. We really, you know, had people in market, you know, talking to people. I mean, I met, I met Katie through um, Jenny Vergara, you know, and I, I met her just by, you know, sending her a DM on, on, on uh, Instagram. And it was just, it was really a way instead of, you know, having the typical formal, okay, you know, you hire a broker as a restaurateur, he's mm-hmm. your tenant rep or he or she's your tenant rep. You know, we, we took that out of the equation um, to really become, you know, personal. And like, you know, Dom talked about earlier, it's a partnership. I mean, although, yes, we're technically a landlord, but it, it really is a collaborative, collective, you know, group of people. And then that's, you know, you know where we see our competitive edge is, is really creating a culture and, you know, an environment around collaborative culture. I wanted to ask you guys, too, if you've never stepped foot inside a food hall, uh, we were talking yesterday, Davis, about how you don't want people to think of this as a fancy food court. What Correct. is it going to yeah, look like and, and when you walk in? So, so we, we work very closely with um, Huff Architecture, which is a local Kansas City um, architect, Matthew Huff and Kim Lammers. They're the, the, the head architects on the project. So we've really... You know, from when you walk in, it, it, it almost feels like a, you know, sit-down, full-service restaurant with, you know, restaurant and bar with seven food options. So, you know, it, it doesn't have this emptiness of a long hallway and, you know, bar in the middle with food surrounding it. it it's more of almost like a traditional restaurant style, but with, you know, order counters, um, communal seating, and, and, and really, you know, we, we put the time and effort into you know, understanding what the experience is when you walk in to when, you know, you press the, the soap handle in the bathroom. Like, we've, we've tried to, you know, take time and go through every detail to make sure that, you know, there was thought put into every aspect of the experience of the building. And then when you were choosing chefs, what, what particularly, I'm going to put you on the spot because Katie's right here, but what particularly stood out about her food and her concept? It was it's just different. I mean, I've been, you know, some people that are lucky to travel have been to Iceland or been to Nordic countries and experienced that in, you know, in, in its natural environment, but now, you know, bringing it to Kansas city and, and not, 
you know, it's not the run of the mill, you know, like burger and fry, which there's, there's no not to that because there's definitely a place and, and a time for that. But, but, but really, you know, finding food that pushes the boundaries and isn't just the, the, the typical kind of Midwest slump that a lot of these cities fall into. We, we really want food, you know, that, that gives people an experience and is, is, is different than anything else that they can get in the city, especially in the crossroads because it's, you know, it's developing and it's it's always been cool, but it's getting cooler. But there's not a lot of this, you know, ethnic and, and, and different type of cultural food, you know, readily available in the crossroads neighborhood. And so, Katie, tell us what a Scandinavian dog is. And yes. then uh, it, it, give us a little preview of the menu because you know how much I love that Scandinavian dog. <laughs> People love my nine-inch hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's the biggest joke around town, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, I really wanted to focus on every... Scandinavian countries specific dog. So the Copenhagen street dog is kind of the true legit street dog. Um, a nine inch pickled hot dog. They call them a poles. And it has um, fried onions, curried ketchup, house made mayonnaise, seenot mustard, and a cucumber onion salad. And it's a salad and a hot dog, and it should be really heavy and filling. And for some reason, it's light and refreshing. I don't know how a hot dog can do that, but <laughs> Scandinavians are geniuses, I guess. Um, I think it's the cucumbers. That's, <laughs> the cucumber. my, that's my thought. And the Tunbrod's Rule, which is my personal favorite, it was the hardest one to really recreate. And it's a, a giant flatbread, um, kind of like a really thin pita. And it's filled with a hot dog, cucumber onion salad, lettuce, shrimp salad, mashed potatoes, oh. and the hot dog all rolled up. And it's a, a Scandinavian cornucopia that you have to kind of messy eat with a fork. And it's just so good. I don't know how that crazy abomination was created, but it works. Are you telling me this is hot dog and Toscagan mixed together? Oh, it's totally. <laughs> I'm going to dream about that. Yeah. Lindsay, you have some Swedish... Swedish influences in your home, don't yes. you? Yes, my husband uh, grew up there, and we like were so excited when we heard. I had heard about this dessert called a semla for ten years with my husband, and could not ever try one. I'm like, stop telling me about it. And then Katie opens up, and they serve it, and it was glorious. And one of the other things that I really love that Katie does um, is that you actually are working with local people to to get all your ingredients right. So that pulsa has a special story as well. Right. So my great-grandfather had a meat market in Ellsmore, Kansas, and he would make these garlic-pickled hot dogs. And my dad always talked about them. And it was at your level where it's like, Dad, stop telling me about this. I never got to have it. <laughs> so it took me a long time. And, you know, I reached out to Fritz's Specialty Meat. I think they make the most legit hot dog in Kansas City. And I'm like, hey, I need nine inches. I need this diameter. I need this. And they looked at me and said, got it. And they made the perfect product. And then I reached out to Stuart at Broadway Butcher and I said, hey, you know, I need a Swedish potato sausage, one that's going to blow people's mind. And we worked together on that. And then Paradise Meat Locker in Trimble, which I grew up in Platte City, so Trimble's just a stone throw away. And they make me killer sausages, whatever I want. There's a, a Jarlsberg and mushroom and um, a really cool curried hot dog as well. Mm. So I'm excited to kind of play with them and see what awesome local meats and local meat markets. I want to keep everything as close to the heart as possible. You know, it, you have a busy restaurant already. That in itself is a full-time job and a half. Without a food hall type concept, as a chef, how hard would it be to have a second place or even just try something out as different as this? I, I don't know. I mean, you would have to just hire somebody to take over the first space. And I wasn't ready to do that. It's still my baby. But I felt like 
so many cultures are represented and so many are not represented in this city. And I wanted to be able to have a Scandinavian concept of here's the grandma's comfort food. Here's the late night drunk street food. You know, eventually maybe having a bakery, a coffee shop. I really want to bring the Scandinavian culture to Kansas City because every culture deserves to be represented. Absolutely. And, you know, Davis, you had mentioned that you guys did market research before you came forward with Parlor and this whole project. Just kind of going back to there being four potential food halls in town now, is there any worry from the Parlor perspective with saturation, anything like that, especially because the newest announcement, that would be that would be very close to you guys as well? No, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the, the more the better. I mean, we, we truly believe from from our perspective that, you know, given all the things that are working against the restaurant industry, whether it's labor costs, you know, finicky landlords, you know, rent increases, we really truly believe that this is the way that, you know, food is going. Um, so so the, the, the more the merrier. And I, I think, you know, tides ride to, rise together as opposed to we don't look at it as competition. Um, you know, it's just it's more great food for us to eat at. And, it's it, you know, we're, we're all about upbringing the Crossroads neighborhood. We're really invested in it. And we'd rather, you know, see people be successful and, and, you know, give more people the opportunity to get into the restaurant industry without massive barriers to entry. So I think, you know, this isn't, I don't think this is just a trend. I think it is something that will be here to stay. Um, So, you know, I think, you know, although we're technically will be the first one in Kansas City, I mean, we know we're not the last. And I think, you know, as, as more and more, you know, this becomes more popular, it's, it's going to be, you know, everybody will benefit from it. It feels a little bit like the food truck trend extension to me. Um, do you see it that way? Sort of people looking for a, a pared down menu, um, affordable pricing, and a lot of customization and, and ability to, you know, eat this hot dog wherever they want to. They could eat it right there. They could take it with them and walk down the street, you know. Do you see some similarities there? Right. I, I, I think it's a, it's a natural progression. You know, the, the, the food truck craze isn't going anywhere. It's still an amazing thing. And, you know, uh, honestly, what they're doing, some of, some of the people around town, we would love to eventually work with at Parlor. The difference is you, you get a little bit more of a, of a traditional style of service. Um, there's proper seating. It's, it's obviously air-conditioned. Our, our target demographic is everyone. We're not paring ourselves down and putting ourselves inside of a box and pandering to one or the other. We want people to, to see us as, as a lunchtime opportunity. We want people to see us as dinner, a place to take the family. Uh, that's, that's much more achievable under a roof where there's proper seating. Uh, you know, there's a bar for mom and dad. Um, you know, it, it just becomes a little bit more accessible and, um, you know, easier, easier for, for people to, to, to relate to in that regard. Are you getting food truck concepts or, uh, standalone restaurants? Who's kind of coming to you and, and pitching a, a concept? So the way that we look at it and not, not to put anybody in a box, but the way that we kind of categorize it is there's, you know, three, three or four types of tenants. The first is, you know, a line cook, a chef de cuisine that has real restaurant experience, has a concept, but is not ready to go take on the burden of a full brick and mortar. Um, so it gives them the opportunity to come in, you know, run their own kitchen um, and not have to worry about managing a front of house staff. You know, they really just have to focus on their food and labor. Um, you know, then you have the, as, as Don mentioned, the food truck. Um, it's kind of the natural progression. They've already worked in, you know, 
a, a smaller style kitchen. They understand quick service. They understand everything. Um, you know, then, then it's, you know, lastly, I would say it's probably a, a, a person like Katie that has a successful restaurant, um, you know, has these other great ideas, but doesn't necessarily want to go brick and mortar with it yet. So it gives them the opportunity to come in and really test it at a, at a low barrier to entry. So we've, we've, we've had conversations with food trucks. Um, we've looked at a couple. Uh, the, some of the issues were just crossover, which, you know, great concepts, great food, but you know, with having seven kitchens, we didn't want to just put in, you know, seven different types of Asian food, right, or seven different, you know, burger and wing concepts. So so we had to be mindful of not, you know, cross, I don't want to say cross-contaminating, but, you know, cross over for, for our tenants because we want everyone to be successful and have their own voice and not be clouded out. So um, we, we didn't have any food truck operators in this first round, but there's a lot of people that we're talking to as leases come due, um, you know, that are, are really interested in taking the next step. And, you know, one of the concepts uh, coming to town would go in the Mission Gateway spot, and that has the Tom Colicchio name attached to it, and it has a, a lot of things going on. It's more about experience. And what I think is so interesting about that going in a place where a mall long stood and development being something that now that they when, when they develop something, they have to include or they seem to include more than just one thing to do for these families. I'm going to put you on the spot, yeah. Davis. I, would you go so far as to say, is this the new mall? Is this the new venture? It's a totally different type of experience, but we're not building necessarily indoor malls anymore. Are we building food halls instead? We're actively acquiring land and signing leases in other markets that are in you know mixed-use developments. It seems like the food hall component of a mixed-use development is the new norm, right? I mean, Nobody is really building like a, you know, a Simons or a Westfield mall anymore and putting in a Chick-fil-A, a Taco Bell and these national chains. It's really, you know, as, as the millennial progresses and has access to information, everybody wants, you know, local, uh, you know, craft goods, craft food, craft experience. And I think, you know, specially curated experiences is what everybody is seeking and people will pay for that. So I think, you know, the, the food hall and the market is, is the new mall. It's the new meeting place. I mean, there, there's a buzzword in real estate that everybody talks about, the third place. You know, you've got your, your home, your office, and your third place. You know, these markets and food halls have really become that third place. And we're seeing, you know, iterations where you combine gaming with that, whether it's, you know, at Parlor we have shuffleboard courts, um, you know, other places. There, there's a great, uh, a great restaurant in, in Nashville called Pinewood Social, um, more of a, a, a sit-down restaurant, but they're, you know, going to a more food hall style, but they have a vintage bowling alley. And really, you know, creating a place where you can come and, you know, have your meetings in the morning, have your lunch, you know, work, have happy hour, and then, you know, go home is, is really becoming, you know, a trend that we see happening across the board. And I think maybe a testament to that is that they tore down Mission Mall more than a decade ago, and we've heard several plans potentially but now, with the food hall included, among a lot of other things, they may be breaking ground next month, and then they may be even starting construction in September after more than a decade. Yeah. I feel like the, the, the food hall is the new, the new model for retail, right? It, it, it's a way to, to make these old kind of projects that were tired or, you know, turning them into an adaptive reuse and putting, you know, cool, locally focused concepts that revitalizes an area and gets people excited, whereas, you know, your traditional brick-and-mortar mall is, in, is, is kind of dead. 
And what are the concepts? Run us down besides um, Wildhaust. What what else are we going to have when you guys open in the fall? Is that right? Where, where, do we have an opening date as well? Correct. End of uh, actually beginning of uh, September. Awesome. Uh, so the the other five that are uh, uh, for sure, uh, we are doing in addition to Wildhaust um, a, a Carbone run by uh, Rachel Renus, who is formerly of Hirocho in KCK. She's doing Turkish uh, Yucatan crossroads food. Uh, mm. We also have Derek Foster, who is a, a, a KC native. Uh, he's been running Ember Barbecue in Santa Ana, California. Uh, he is coming back to do Kansas City's very first Nashville hot chicken uh, concept. Oh. We also have, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> uh, it's called Mother Clucker. It's a great oh, name. <laughs> Such a great yep. name. Right. Uh, we have Kyung Kim, who's uh, bringing uh, Korean street food called Surrey Eats. He's been running uh, a, a sort of catering business under the, the same name, and this is his first, um, uh, quote-unquote, brick-and-mortar. Love that. Um, we are uh, working with uh, Providence Pizza, who currently has a brick-and-mortar in uh, Gladstone. Um, they, oh, excuse me, Grandview, not Gladstone. <laughs> Um, they are uh, bringing uh, several different new styles to Kansas City, Sicilian-style pies, uh, 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 Detroit-style. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Uh, and then we also have farm-to-market bread company that's doing uh, farm-to-market sandwich company. Uh, they're going to use their amazing bread and and create some really awesome sandwiches for us. Those are really that's a really great lineup. It um, is really interesting. A lot of local producers, um, the Grandview folks, bringing them in, getting them uh, Providence. You know, fabulous pizza, but they really weren't very well known. So um, yep, yep. great, great job, guys. I. <laughs> think it sounds <laughs> thank you wonderful we're excited so katie are you are you psyched and ready to roll i'm beyond excited the biggest reason is i studied abroad a lot and i've traveled all around the world and in hong kong singapore rome and turkey there are food halls everywhere side by side and they had better food than the restaurants and <laughs> i knew that it was time and it would eventually hit kansas city and i never imagined that i'd be able to be in that first round in this space so it's a spot where I would want to be all the time, so it's great that I'm going to be making money there because I'm going to spend it all there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to be living there, aren't you? And it sounds like a sense of community, which is something you're looking for, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And I think I think when people come to a place to eat and they feel the love, they feel that emotion, they want to stay. It, it, it is a sense of community, and I think that's why people yep. are a little bit b- bored with eating out. Because it's kind of the same, and it's not an experience. And, and you have to invest in to go into that space and saying, hey, I'm going to this restaurant, and this is the cuisine we're eating. Whereas this experience, you go here, you go here, you go there. We all meet up at our table, and everybody mm. gets to be happy. You, right. reali- you realize my check average will be the same as if I went to a very expensive <laughs> restaurant with $40 <laughs> entrees, because I'm going to have four I know. different foods, but, you know. I think that's a good way to go. This will be a whole new level of entree envy. Yes. <laughs> Giddy up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fusion <laughs> on your plate. Yeah. And, right. And you can just feel, I can just like the, the passion emanating off you, Katie, and all of the chefs when they're so invested in these amazing concepts themselves. That's part of the fun. Absolutely. I can't wait. Yeah. And, and just, just to add to that, I mean, I, I think... You know, Dom and I have been in, in the food industry for a bit, and it, it's just to see, when, when I first came to City, just being completely honest, like, that, it seemed kind of blight, like, the, like 
like you said, you know, the, there was a little bit of a rut, and now seeing people get super passionate and super excited to cook their food and provide service for people, it's, it's really a powerful thing to see, and it's been an honor to be a part of because I feel like we're, we're, we're breaking ground here and kind of breaking some barriers. I've, you know, noticed that there's, you know, landlord to tenant issues have always been a problem in Kansas City, and, that, you know, really taking steps to, to break down those barriers and, and create a culture that, that's, you know, everybody's happy, everybody's excited, and, and, you know, we're working hard and being successful as a group. So tell us again the address and the hours before we sign off here. Right. We're at 1707 Locust. Uh, The hours are going to be from 11 a.m. to midnight every day of the week. Oh, awesome. You guys, this has been such a wonderful inaugural podcast. Can't thank you enough. Thanks for We're glad to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Thanks for hanging out with us, and um, you know, best of luck to you. This is just a really incredible venture that um, you know. I'm really excited to see where where it goes, and can't wait to Thank try you, the yeah. food. And and we'll maybe we'll do a live podcast from there. What do you think with Lindsay? all four of our entrees? Uh huh. Yes. at least that sounds oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> maybe four we, each. We, that gets us eight. See, that's why you go with someone so you can share. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, no, thank you guys so much. And, and, you know, Kansas City as a whole, thank you, everybody, for letting us, you know, come in and embracing us and, and providing us with the opportunity to, to do some cool stuff. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. And before we leave you guys, Jill, you and actually you and Katie have some excited stuff coming up. We do. I'm doing a little workout at Powell Gardens, and we have these fabulous barn dinners where people are eating out of the 12-acre um, edible garden. It's the largest landscape of the type in uh, in the nation, actually. And we're trying to activate it more. And so I went to Katie and I said, help me out with this. And um, she said, I'd love to come out. I've never been out. So we've had her out. And she has this fabulous content- concept for um, August 12th. Um, I've kind of called it Into the Melting Pot. Um, not to be corny or anything, but that was the only way I could think to bring together Swedish, Laotian, and Mexican food. Tell us what yep. you guys are planning. It's going to be such a – this is one of my I'm, – I'm just so psyched about this dinner. It's so exciting how they're coming together and sort of planning a real experience for people. So two of my close friends, Carlos Martora that owns The Bite, and Anaram Thompson of uh, Anaram's Food Truck um, – we're all good friends, and we all love to cook with vegetables and fresh foods, and we constantly eat at one another's restaurants and say, wow, there's so many similarities, and how is that even feasible? And it's just about cooking your traditional food from your home, but there are crossovers, and we wanted to have a universal protein, something that we could build a meal around, and then put each of our culture's traditional sides with it and let people see how cultures can meld together so beautifully, something as different as you know, an Asian culture, uh, a Hispanic culture, and a Scandinavian culture. You don't think they're going to complement one another, but it's really beautiful when they do. And just showing that culture doesn't have to be so black and white. It can be really beautiful when it comes together. Well, everybody influences. I mean, yeah. look at the spice trades to start oh, with so and, and from there, <laughs> you know, and it just, yeah, this is going to be a really fun dinner. Um, I invite you to come out, look for tickets on powellgardens.org slash events um, and hang out with Katie and, you know, maybe she'll even have something that might end up on her other menus down the road, especially at Parlor. Who knows? Um, So join us and uh, have a great time with us. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining us for our first episode of Chew Diligence, where we want to go beyond the story of the food in Kansas City. And we'll see you next time. Tell your friends. Subscribe. You can find it anywhere you find podcasts.